Now remember, you're only supposed to listen to Phoenix FM if you want film reviews. So, good afternoon. Welcome to what is a very exciting new chapter for me on my show. I'm really fortunate to be welcoming a regular special guest each week. You may have already heard him on Phoenix FM, on The Drive Show and other shows, but this gentleman is joining me weekly on my show to do the Phoenix FM film review, and we couldn't be happier. Could we please welcome Mr. Mark Searby to the show? Oh, thank you very much. You you built it up really well there, Spencer. I hope I can live up to it. <laughs> I'm sure you can. Now, <laughs> before before we go into it, just let the listeners know what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing what it says on the tin. We are going to be reviewing a couple of films each week, two or three films, um, and we're going to no stone left unturned. We're going to pick all, all genres of films, etc. And if you just want to tell the listeners, Mark, a bit about yourself and kind of, you know, what you've previously done with us at Phoenix. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been with Phoenix for, well, since 2017, reviewing the, the weekly films, uh, what's big at the cinema, on DVD and Blu-ray, on streaming, occasionally on TV as well. So I've been doing that a number of years at Phoenix and before that um, at the BBC as well. Um, I've written for numerous outlets as well heat magazine mtv loads of places like that a film stories magazine and i've written a few books about movies as well so i've written a book about films of eddie murphy i've written about the career of rick mail you know the late great rick mail and i've written a 600 plus page book on the films of al pacino as well which um i am absolutely i i always say this spencer because i've got to because i'm still overwhelmed by it the fact is, Al Pacino has a copy of that book sitting in his library. That's impressive. That's impressive. Absolutely. It's just, it, I, I still can't believe it. The day when I saw the video, I was like, he's got a copy of my book next to a picture of his kids. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just a sort of, it's a pinch It's a pinch me moment, isn't it? It really is. It really is. So I'm really pleased, you know, with something like that. Um, but yes, I am a a huge Al Pacino fan, um, as we will find out over the coming years when, when he's got movies out and I say to you, yes, it's another great performance from Al Pacino. I don't want to be off his Christmas card list. That's all it is, Spencer. Absolutely. No, I don't blame you. I'm really excited, actually, because I'm a, you know, I always very nervous in saying in front of people like you that I'm a film buff fan because I'll probably pale into, like, in comparison with yourselves, etc. But I really kind of... I'm really into my movies. Um, I know what I like. I know what I don't like. But I'm certainly willing to kind of, you know, have an open mind to, to different sorts of genres and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to see uh, the different selections you're going to bring in each week. I think the conversation is going to be very interesting, shall we say. So what do we have in store today? What are we reviewing? OK, so let's start with the big film of the week, uh, Fast X or Fast 10, depending on which way you want to look at it. Uh, where are you with the Fast and Furious movies, Spencer? Are you all the way up to date? Have, yes, have seen them. They've got, in my mind, they've got slightly more preposterous each one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think you kind of lost me when they went into space. No spoilers <laughs> for everyone when they went into space in the car. But um, yeah, still. And I will I will go and watch this. I will still go and see it. Um, it's um it, you know i presume they're not reinventing the wheel with this film it's pretty much of the same well it kind of is i mean where do you go after you've sent a car into space you know th yes, there's, exactly. there's only one way to go and that's down and the thing is when you think about a um a standard film franchise when it gets to number 10 which normally not many of them do you know you talk about horror franchises only really they get to number 10 they've sort of run out of steam and 
it's kind of not that this has run out of steam. It's more actually what you were saying is that, you know, it's more of the same. And it kind of is because it's using stories and action from previous Fast and the Furious movies. So it's kind of like a greatest hits package condensed down, mm. which mm. obviously, you know, for somebody like yourself who's, who's seen them all and is a fan, it sounds great. But the problem is when you're watching it, you're thinking, I've seen this all before. It's a bit boring. It's a bit tiresome. And I actually think the franchise itself has gone in reverse with this film compared to the last couple of entries. You know, it's just not as entertaining as the previous films. And I think that's because we, you know, due to the seen it all before action. And part of that also is to do with the loads of different locations around the world. I mean, I don't know how many locations they went to. And I only saw it earlier this week and I, I kind of had lost count. And then there is another part of this movie which does that terrible thing, which seems to be happening a lot in movies now, is the, the characters, the main characters that we all love, they split them up. So they split up the car-robbing family, shall we call them, and sending them off to loads of different locations. And it just becomes a bit of a mess because the amount of different plots and subplots that are trying to be interwoven into the main plot, it all just sort of... Yeah, comes, that's right, yeah. Yeah, it just becomes insignificant. It's, it's like a scattergun approach to storytelling. It's just not interesting. And I felt really quite bored watching the whole thing. And that shouldn't, you know, that like like you've seen it before, yeah. That's the thing. It's all been done before. Even though they're telling you a new story, because obviously we're moving on now, we've got other things to do. It still felt like I was going, well, that's from number three and that's from number five. And you know, it was all those things. And it, it shouldn't be the case when you're talking about family, you know, that the whole film is about family, family. Yeah. And I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure. The word family is mentioned seven times in the first 10 minutes. I could be wrong. I it, might have missed it. It always makes me laugh when people talk about families because that's not necessarily always a good thing, <laughs> is it? You know, it's like, oh, it's all about the family. Well, that does. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything in my No, book, it doesn't. Family. And not not in these movies either. You know, family is it's a vague word with the Fast and Furious movies. So I am down on it. But at the same time, I want to tell you about a couple of interesting bits that I I, I thought the plot involving Dominic Toretto's son and Dominic Toretto's brother who go on a road trip together was pretty good. They have their own story and it actually works very well when it comes to the is that, end. Is that John, John Cena? It is. Yeah. John Cena. Yes. And, and yeah, it's, um, it's really well put together. It's kind of fun as well. And when it comes to the end of their bit, I, I liked it. I thought it worked very well. Um, however, the best thing about this movie is Jason Momoa as Dante, who is this, drug kingpin's son the drug kingpin was killed early in the first movie and he's come back for for revenge now we know jason momoa he, he played aquaman he's a muscly guy like you know it's it makes sense to cast this guy in a movie with yeah. other muscly yeah. men so you can you can see why they chose it as well um so it boggles my mind in a good way let me say that spencer in a good way that Jason, Can I just ask you, go on. sorry to interrupt, do you think he's been cast to put bums on seats or do you think he's been cast because he was the right person for the role? A bit of both, maybe. A bit of mm -hmm. both, I think. You know, mm -hmm. um, he, he is a very interesting actor. That's the thing. Case in point, here, because he turns up and you go, it's another muscly guy. Of course it is. You know, he's going to run and jump and kick and punch and whatever else. Not quite what we were expecting, actually, because this is where it boggles my mind in a good way that Jason Momoa plays Dante, this drug kingpin's son. 
as a pansexual Jack Sparrow. <laughs> right. Say, just take that in for a moment. A pansexual yep. Jack Sparrow. It's the most 180 of characters for this macho man film franchise that you're ever expecting. And I think it absolutely works. It's, you know, minds more intelligent than me will be writing thesis on this character in years to come to explain putting a big macho actor into a franchise with other big macho actors and having him play it sort of like an action liberace is inspired. I just loved everything about this character on the screen because he was evil and he was gloriously over the top and flamboyant as well. And it just, it just showed you the difference in what do was you going rate, on. Do, do, do you rate him as an actor? Because I don't, I must admit, I obviously know of Jason Momoa through the kind of Justice League and Aquaman yeah. films, as you say, but I've not seen him in, so I've never watched Game of Thrones. I know, shoot me now. I've never watched <laughs> Game of Thrones. And so I didn't know much about him until he came to prominence in those films. Um, what do you think of him as an actor? I think he's perfectly fine. You know, he, do, mm-hmm. he does the job. I think that's the thing. Yeah. Um, I like him as Aquaman. He's pretty good. He was good in Game of Thrones as well. Um, I think there is more to him than meets the eye. And and this shows it, to be honest with you. I'd, I'd quite like to see him do a drama or a Brilliant. romance or something like that, yeah. just you know, so he can spread himself. But yeah, this showed that, you know, he's got a few tricks up his sleeve and, and they're pretty good as well. I like that about it. So when you have somebody like that who comes in and goes, right, I'm going to completely change everything suddenly you wake up and you go wow wasn't expecting that and it it worked for me anyway that's the thing it worked for me but going back to the film itself it, it is just recycled from previous films and it, it for me it was just rubbish it would you know the franchise has gone through everything good bad so yeah. bad it's good uh into space outer space you know all of that Th- this isn't so bad it's good i just thought it was bad like like rubbish bad you know, it, it got to the point where I was thinking, oh, this was like this is like the film, you know, where they were in the plane and the plane was on the never ending runway um, that this movie is a bit like that, where I just thought, oh, it's it's lost. Oh, its yes, yes, cheek. yes. I was just thinking what that scene was. I do remember that. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I can't remember yeah. which one it was. Was it five or six? I, I, I don't remember. But, you know, it the... went on for like five miles, the runway, <laughs> didn't it? It just went on and on and on. It was just like <laughs> it did. It never ended. And and that's kind of what this film is, really, where you just think, oh, it's lost its tongue in cheek funness. And it's now it's now trying to be a bit more serious again. You go, no, th- th- oh dear, you've missed it. So I-, I didn't like this at all. I've got to be honest. And I liked the previous movie. So a bit of a disappointment for me, this one. Well, but it's, I, I think it's one of these films, isn't it? I think some of these, you know, they can, they have such a big following now. I think they could, as we're seeing, they could just trot anything out on screen and people <laughs> would go and see it, won't they? Because because straight away I said, I'll go and see it, just knowing that I've watched the previous. And well, yeah, I mean, some it, films... It, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, some films are critic-proof. You know, Transformers franchise, critic-proof. Um, you know, the, the Marvel movies... Oh, I hated the last one. I there we go. The you see, it doesn't matter though, people it, go and see it. That's too noisy thing. for me. Yeah. Too noisy. <laughs> well, it was just too much. And I was you're... like, oh, well. Wait, hang on. You're saying the Transformers movie was too noisy, but you love the Fast and the Furious movies. No, because the last one, the last Transformers, sorry, going off on a tangent here. The last one for me, it was just a solid, however, you know, 120 minutes, whatever it was of just noise. There was yeah. no 
breaking it and um I, and I love loud action movies of course I do and I thought that I thought the first couple of Transformer films were brilliant I just thought the last one the new one looks very exciting I'm sure we'll review that at a later stage yes the new yes. one looks very good it really does but um yeah I just felt the last one it was a little bit too much for me mm. it really was so the next, what's your next choice? So on DVD and Blu-ray now is Knock at the Cabin. Now this is um, this is a story about while on holiday in, holidaying at a cabin in the woods, a girl and her parents are taken hostage by armed strangers who demand that the family make a choice to avert the apocalypse. So probably the first thing to tell you about this movie is it's the new movie from M. Night Shyamalan, who... Mm-hmm. You will know Sixth Sense, um, Sign, Signs, Signs, yes, yeah. Lady in the Lake as well, The Village, etc. Thing is, with him, you kind of—he's the king of the finale twists. You're always waiting for a finale, uh, for a twist in his movies, and I've not really been a fan of his movies for a long time now, but. I think that's probably to do with the twist because you're always waiting for the twist with this film. It's less about waiting for the twist and more about the bigger impact on the world. So interestingly, it's a very claustrophobic film because it's all set within the cabin with a group of about eight, nine, ten people all moving between a handful of rooms. So it's all shot very close up camera work as well. It doesn't really give you when you're watching it room to breathe. You know, It's kind of like a chamber piece, um, okay. which is different for M. Night Shyamalan. It's almost taking him back to some of the scenes from The Sixth Sense. It's closing you in. It's making sure you're watching, making sure you're paying attention. While the world outside seems to be collapsing, it's more about what's happening inside the cabin. And that is where I think M. Night Shyamalan finds his old groove back again with this because the people who turn up at the cabin are not a collective. They're they're not a group. You know, they've not known each other that long. I mean, they, they, to a certain degree, they, they are a collective, but they're not really. They've only known each other a little bit. I'm trying to skirt around certain things here, Spencer, because otherwise I'm going to give too much away. <laughs> um, so, so they come together for a purpose, which is to basically demand that this family make a choice about whether to stop the apocalypse or let it carry on. And I think if you are looking for a twist in this film, then that's it. I've just spoiled that for you. But it's not a spoiler. It's no, that's in the trailer. It's It's in the trailer. Thank you. It's in the trailer. Yeah, absolutely. It's more that this ragtag bunch of people are seeing if this family will stick or twist on what they are demanding of them. And it's a really intense piece of work because some of these people who have turned up decide they need to make their own decisions before the family does. And then it goes a little bit bizarre and a little bit scary. And a little bit trippy and all other things that M. Night Shyamalan is actually pretty good at. And it makes you question these people even more than you did before. You know, why are they doing this to the family and why are they doing it to themselves and why are they not doing it to other people? There's so many questions thrown up in this film. In fact, as soon as one question gets answered, I think two more come up. It's it's right. Yeah, it really keeps you going. It's quite a feast to be able to keep this intensity going throughout the entire film. However, I think M. Night Shyamalan and his cast have crafted something that is going to have you on the edge of your seat, not knowing where it will go next. So it's a slick little movie. You know, M. Night Shyamalan has 
I think he's got back to, as I said, he's gone back to basics and he's found something here and he's crafted something that is quite eerie. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. It's got tension, but I, it's really eerie. I, I, know, I know from the trailer, so because when the trailer started and uh, there's the scene, uh, obviously, with the little girl in the woods mm. and and, the, and and Dave, is it Bautista? Is yeah, it Dave Bautista, Bautista yeah. When he appears, I thought the way that was directed, and and you just saw him in the trees. I thought, oh, this is going to be a horror. And then, then obviously the way the trailer then progressed, I thought, oh no, it's not a horror. It's kind of it's a, it's a drama. What is it? And I couldn't quite work it out. I mean, it was very um, it, 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 that gripped me from the start. Particular, I mean, it always whenever there's a you know a film where, where there's a child involved and something straight away you you kind of hooked because you think what's going to happen. But mm. but just the, the way. I, I got the impression from the trailer, and you may correct me, I may be wrong on this, but the, the way they kind of, you know, when they entered the cabin, it was all done at a very reasonable pace. It, it was very paced very well. It wasn't yes. rushed like some dramas and horrors. It was, they took their time for every movement and everything. It felt really kind of, and that really built the suspense. And that was just in the trailer for me. See, that's the thing. See, you were tell- saying it there, but you were also struggling for certain words because that's the thing. It's very difficult to know what to suggest yeah. about this movie because, and that is the cleverness of M. Night Shyamalan, is that he will turn around and he'll, he'll make you go, I don't really know how to describe it, but this happens and that happens. And also we've got to remember, this is a pre-apocalypse movie. We don't get many of those. You know, it's always post-apocalyptic imperial yeah. landscapes yeah. and whatever else. Pre-apocalyptic. The apocalypse is about to happen. They're watching it on TV. They can advert it if they do what these people demand. And you think, well, just do what they demand. But what they're asking is not that simple. And I think that's the the craftsmanship of somebody like Shyamalan. You know, I don't think a lot of other filmmakers could make something like this. And it comes around and you go, I don't know what I would do in this situation. And that's when a film grips you because you're sat there going, what would I do? What would I, I don't know what yeah, I would do. Yeah. That's the clever thing about this. So I, I really like this. You know, this this caught me off guard because, as I said, not been a fan of M. Night Shyamalan for a, quite a while now. But this one really felt like he'd brought it back to some absolute quality filmmaking. And just very quickly, is it is it a satisfying ending? Because quite often <laughs> with, with Shyamalan, I found the ending so, uh, not overly satisfying for me. Is it a satisfying ending? Let me say this. It's a better ending than The Village, okay? Good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a low benchmark. That really is. Okay, yeah, yeah it's true. Spencer. That is a low benchmark, to be fair. Um, <laughs> is it a satisfying ending? I think it is. For me, okay. I thought, yeah. Good ending, liked it, like what it finished with because of what everything went before it. I was like, yeah, that's a satisfying ending for me. Um, whether other people see it satis- satisfying, I don't know. But as I said, I think this is... It's all relative, yeah. It, it is, but I think this is some of his best work in years. Brilliant. So that will be added to the list. And f- your final choice, please, sir. So on DVD and Blu-ray also this week is a film called The Inspection. Uh, this is about a young man called Ellis French, who is a young gay black man rejected by his mother and with few options for his future, he enlists in the Marines. He looks to do whatever it takes to succeed in a system that would normally cast him aside. So at the beginning of this movie, it says this is based on a true story. And it is. It's actually based on Elegance Bratton's real life. And he is the writer and director of this movie. So this is 
you know, this is so true. It's unbelievable. You know, this is somebody who I have to say, I I found this trailer really tough. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was quite hard hitting. And Mm. I thought, you know, and I thought at one point, is this going to be one of these where where there is a satisfying outcome and he kind of he finds himself, etc. But the trailer was really hard hitting for me. It it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing is that it is one of these trailers where you you're either into it or you're not because you think there's yeah. going to be some hard work. You know, there's a lot of hatred running through this film, and that's always going to be a tough ask to to say to you. You know, we're we're going to have to uh, you're going to have to basically go with us on all of this, and you you do you kind of go with it. So you have from uh, from Ellis French's mother's rejecting him to the Marines instructors really target him as well. It's nasty. But then at times it has to be to show what French went through and how he triumphed against certain things and people. And there are times in this film where I genuinely started to tear up because of how broken down French had become. So there's real human emotion in this film, thanks to Elegance Bratton's writing and directing. And also I've got to mention as well, Jeremy Pope's brilliant performance as Ellis French as well. You know, it's the, it's the type of understated performance that slowly creeps up on you. And then by the end you realize, wow, that was absolutely amazing, you know, full of nuance and subtlety. It's the, it's the type of performance where you kind of feel sorry for the character and you, you know, but then at the same time, you don't at times as well because he's he is a nice guy, but at the same time, he, he does certain things where you go, why? Why would you do that? You know, it's really difficult at times. Um, and obviously this is a movie that's set within the Marines as well, but it's not a gung-ho, hoorah, all about the Marines either. It's quite a reserve piece, even when dealing with that element of the storyline, you know, even in the face of toxic masculinity, this is a soft, tender film. And I, I think it shows that films about male, um, you know, macho males, which obviously we talked about not 10 minutes ago with Fast X, mm-hmm. um, can be done in very different ways. And it's still interesting and it's still heartfelt. So this is a movie that I think touches in very different ways. It's a story about overcoming being uh, ostracized by a parent. It's a story about facing your biggest fears. It's a story about finding yourself in the most opposite of places where you would ever think you would be as well. And I was rather taken with it because it's something different with its storytelling. And for me, that stood out quite a bit. I know. And it's, you know, watching it as well, some of the performances, I mean, um, I, I can't remember the actress was who plays his mum in it, but kind of she's got a brutality about her mm. in those sh- in those short clips as well. And the fact that it's kind of based on a true story is really kind of quite tough. It is. And you're right. It, you know, even in the trailer, you see his mum in there and you you just hate her. And that's the same in the film. You hate her. And as I said, there's hatred running all the way through this film. But at the same time, you come out of it going, I've been put through the ringer, but I, I, I feel, I feel it's not a delight for the film to end, but it's more of a, an acceptance. And, uh, you know, as I said, overcoming things as well. It's almost like a redemption arc as well. So there's a lot in here. It's going to be tough to watch. There's no getting away from it, but is it a worthwhile watch? I think it is. Yeah, that sounds really good. It sounds really, really good. Listen, these there are three very good choices. I mean, when is Fast and Furious out? Is that very soon? So it's out now, basically. It's in cinemas. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's out. And obviously the others are out on DVD now as well and streaming. They are indeed, yes. Excellent. Well, they will be added to the list. Well, listen, thank you so much. It's been really good. Um, 
you know, I'm really looking forward to this section in the show because I think, as I say, I'm into movies as well. There's no one more educated and knowledgeable movies than yourself. So I think it's kind of like going to be a real good combination and, you know, for our listeners. So I'm really um, kind of looking forward to it. And uh, we will have another three next week. Yeah. Oh, we absolutely will. So next week, we're going to be completely different next week, Spencer. We're going to be doing the live action version of The Little Mermaid. Because Disney, right, yeah. Because obviously Disney are doing this nowadays. Melissa McCarthy. Indeed, yes, absolutely. And we're also yep. going to be doing a new film from Paul Schrader. He's the guy who wrote Taxi Driver. Um, this is a film called Master Gardener. It's all about a horticulturist. And we okay. are going to do a foreign language movie called 1976, which is a political thriller. Eclectic, that's the word. That's the word. That's the word. Yes, absolutely. We And we love that. We love that. So just to all the listeners, if you've got any questions for Mark during the week and you want me to uh, raise them with him, please, if you get them those questions into me kind of sort of the early part of the week, Monday and Tuesday, that'll be great. You can email me radio at phoenixfm.com and I can raise those with Mark. But we are really looking forward to next week. Thank you so much, Mark, for today. Brilliant. Thank you, Spencer. And have a great weekend. I will do. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Miss this week's film reviews? Then listen again on phoenixfm.com or wherever you get your podcasts.